Micah, how's it going? Good. How are you guys? Good. Good. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah. Um, did you guys just cover where you are? Did you say you were in a sauna? He's in a sauna. Oh my gosh. That's a good move. Is it like a, a red light sauna? Sweating a lot. It's not a sauna, Eric. Welcome to Grow Your Creative Agency, a podcast. Nate, Nate. Yeah? It's not going to work. It's not going to work. Okay. Hey, this is Eric Parnell, owner of the Northwest Collective. And Nate Kupish, owner of Blastoff Studio. Has your creative agency plateaued? Or are you growing slowly and ready to scale up faster? Or maybe you're just ready to give up and get a nine-to-five. Listen in as we chat with founders who have successfully built up their own creative agencies. Join us as we learn how to get the clients you want, generate greater revenue, and develop a sustainable business model that makes you more productive and less stressed. Should we jump into it? Yeah. Um, Let's get started. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Micah, to start us out, why don't you tell us who you are, a little bit about your background, and how you got started in creative services. Uh, how far back do you want me to go? Because I can go very far back. I've been doing this for a long time. We'll give you, here, I'll give you a context. So yeah. theoretically, the, the audience is um, somewhere between their first and, you know, 10th year and growing their own creative agency, whether it's a film mm-hmm. production studio, a design, one of those many different pieces of a design world. So it's someone who's just trying to, make things better, figure it out. So I think as far back as you want to go is, is really realistic to where we're all at. Yeah. Yeah. Take us back. That's, that's good context. So me personally, um, I was in junior high or high school maybe. And my mom bought me my first copy of Photoshop Mm. and both my parents um, were ministers at the time. And so they let a lot of Photoshop seven or, I can't remember. It was um, my first illustrator was Illustrator Four. It was in a box, right? Software box. Oh yeah, oh, it was yeah. definitely okay, in a good. box. Good. Um, and I can't remember what version of Photoshop, but it was very early on. Yeah. Um, and my, both my parents are ministers, and and um, so they led a lot of retreats. They um, did a lot with nonprofits and. So my mom gave me this copy of Photoshop and essentially just said, Hey, we need some work. And nice. and I grew up loving art. You know, I thrived in all my art classes. I was drawing all the time. And, um, and cool. I, I think her instincts were right. She's just like, well, maybe that can translate to digital. Mm-hmm. Here's Photoshop. Here's a tool. And, uh, and I just, I fell in love with it immediately. Mm. Um, so that's how I got my start. And then I, I, played drums for years and years and uh in high school i was homeschooled and so i had a lot of time to design album artwork for all the bands i was in yeah and so that that like really just doing that and playing and exploring just that that's really what opened up the -hmm. whole world to me because i had never heard of graphic design oh gosh and back then guys it was (laughs) it was so uncool to be a graphic design <laughs> but now it's like the cool thing like that's yeah that's really funny mine definitely my work definitely started out of a passion at a young age too you know just uh wanted to make skate videos and snowboard films with my buddies 
you making posters for your bands mm-hmm. and uh, the stuff that we're super into just translates like, oh, wait, you can make money doing this? Sign me up. I'm still yeah. trying to figure that if, if it's possible, but yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I'm, yeah I'm not sure it, about yeah. that one. So, okay. So that was kind of your developmental passion. And then how did it flow into something that could potentially be some sort of lifestyle around finance and, and making cash? Well, so I went to school for music because I mm-hmm. thought music was going to be my thing. And, um, and I quickly learned that I didn't need to be in school for music. And um, so I left school uh, and started doing music a lot, but that was mostly at night. So I picked up design uh, as like a day job. And um, I got my first design job at a digital print shop. And I became the pre-press manager, uh, which was actually really awesome because when you are doing that, you're just getting all kinds of crappy files and it's your job as the pre-press guy to make sure those files can print. Hmm. So it meant I had to learn at, at the time Quark, which was a big mm-hmm. deal at Sign. Quark Express. Uh, yeah, that's right. And then InDesign became a thing. Mm-hmm. I had to learn InDesign. I had to know Mac and PC both. I had to be a, an expert at like Adobe Acrobat and Microsoft Word. And so I just learned all of the tools of, of that sort of print trade. Um, and then... Um, when I started, it was post 9-11, um, just really soon after. And 9-11 completely obliterated the print industry. And so in Nashville, which is where I was living at the time, uh, we had um, just a, a section of town where all the print shops were. And we were one of the only print shops left because they all had to go out of business. It was terrible. Wow. And so I entered into around 9-11 really, that happened really weird time. Yeah. What, what was the, I mean, just because of a economic slowdown or. I guess, I guess yeah. I don't, I don't know the details around it. I think people were scared. And so they stopped spending money in huh. Nashville. Um, used to be huge in print. It used to actually be hmm. third in the nation when it came to print production. So it was hmm. kind of a great place to, yeah. Get your start in print. Micah, I think what I like about where you're at and telling your your kind of history on this stuff is uh, at least at Blastoff Studio, we have a mentorship program and we get to mentor a few uh, younger designers. And specifically, I'm thinking of two that we mentor right now. And, and in them asking how to get started, uh, they both graduated from one from a certificate program, one from actual college. Um, but anyway, both of them are seeking it out. And the, the first thing I said was, don't be afraid to start in whatever you can get, the smallest thing. And your, your whole background is kind of like you took a janitor role in order to learn the whole thing out of, you're humble about it, I guess, you know, and, and then worked your way up to kind of that CEO spot. And uh, I think that's really important. I don't, mm-hmm. you know, just with the kind of the concept of entitlement and, and we live in a really like we have a lot of stuff we're privileged. And so that's a, that's not a message that's celebrated. So I like that. I like that that's part of your story because it validates that that's, that is good. I resonate with that. I, um, I'm always, I feel like that's been something I've taught other people coming up over the years is I worked for free for a long time Mm -hmm. and just took on jobs to learn and to grow. And you're right. Kids these days, they just want to, 
be handed a salary. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of like pretending to be something, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have always been too afraid to pretend to be something because if you're pretending to be something, somebody's going to eventually call you out on it and you're not going to be able to back it. Well, yeah. All you got to do is write the line on LinkedIn, right? I'm a yeah. XYZ. And that, in the 20 years ago, you had to have business cards from a corporation to be something. So, yeah. Okay. So you were, so pick up where you left off. So you're in the design print shop doing stuff there. Then what happened? So I was, I was doing that and um, playing music mm-hmm. all the time. And, um, and then decided that I needed uh, like an actual education in design. So I left doing that, uh, went freelance and I went to school for graphic design. Mm. Um, and it was good. I was there for a couple of years. Um, I did uh, work uh, for um, an agency that specialized in broadcast media hmm. for the auto industry. Nice. And um, I was just a graphic designer there and I did print design and then I did um, a lot of sort of video stuff. So I, I was designing a lot of bugs, a lot of lower thirds, um, stuff like that. Cool. And that was cool because I'd never been exposed to that type of media before. So mm. I had to learn how to design for screen mm. because everything I'd been doing had been print and colored. Obviously you guys know this is, it is really different, you know, versus projected mm-hmm. projected versus reflected light. Um, and so I had to learn the difference between CMYK and RGB mm-hmm. in a very real way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I that was, I still don't know the difference. Yes, you do. <laughs> Yes, you do. You're yes, you do. You're I'm not a designer. CMYK is print. RGB okay. is digital. That's the yeah. easy way. That's why totally I'm going to punch RGB, you after this for saying that. <laughs> okay, totally different. Film guy. Totally different color gamuts. Totally different colors. A blue uh, CMYK isn't the same as blue as mm-hmm. on the screen. Um, and so did that. You know, went to school and. Um, I was doing freelance for a, a creative agency in downtown Franklin. There's just a couple people. Uh, Franklin's just outside of Nashville. And um, it was one guy, the guy that started it, and then he had a part-time employee, and then me, just a contractor. Mm-hmm. And then um, I met a girl at school who thought I was lame. She, <laughs> she didn't like designers because designers were lame. She didn't like drummers because drummers were also lame. And I had red hair. And so yeah, it was like just a, a great gal, this, per- <laughs> this perfect trifecta of like dorkiness. Um, <laughs> and, and so she just wasn't interested in me at, at all. But when I met her, I was just like, okay, I need to get serious. I need to start making some money so that I can, mm-hmm. you know, pursue this girl. You like and this so girl. I, uh, yeah, I went to the guy that he was my biggest client and he had this sort of small agency. He had just started and I just said, Hey man, I'm trying to get real. Will you hire me? He said, I think I can. So I became his like first full-time employee. And I was there for seven years and we built the company to about eight people. And then um, uh, 2008 hit and we had to fire a lot of those people. It was and what were you doing, Micah? What kind of work? I mean, you had kind of this scrap together background which, by the way, it makes me think, uh, I think all three of us were kind of raised in the church. And obviously, this podcast isn't about any of those types of views or anything. But gosh, like religious or not, I would say 
if you're young and you want to do design, start going to a church and volunteer because you'll get to do everything. You'll get a free, um, I think all three of us can resonate with that. But That's okay. so true. That's <laughs> a, I walked into a church and saw they had cameras yeah, and editing right. equipment and stuff. And that's I was like, right. hey, can I use this stuff? Dude, <laughs> hey, yeah, you don't have to like the content. Just show up and help out. Um, get a free education. But so, Mike, uh, yeah. So, what were you what were you doing when you joined up with this guy? And I think it's really cool that you just re, like you just asked. Um, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I mean, I feel like now, going back to these two, specifically these two gals that we're mentoring, um, they put out their resumes and all that, like like you should nowadays. Um, but they were both. They also both got in contact with me and just asked. Um, yeah. And that's what led to that relationship where now where we're, you know, working together. So I think that's really cool. And I think that's to be celebrated. So mm-hmm. well done for asking. But what were you doing? Thanks. Um, yeah. So I, you know, I, I did all this print. I did branding. You know, I was designing logos for these nonprofit groups. And back then, every color cost money when you were looking mm-hmm. at printing yeah. newsletters and stuff. So I got really good at designing uh, logos that worked in black and white and worked in one color which is the best way yeah. to learn how to design a logo. Yeah, it's strong. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And and so, you know, I when I, you know, talked to this guy and got him to hire me, he was primarily doing web. Mm. And he did web design, web development, and SEO. Um, and then I came on board and brought, you know, some of the more creative stuff. And so I learned web design um, very thoroughly. Was I learned code. Dreamweaver or something? we we were anti-dreamweaver i did learn how to how to build using dreamweaver but um we wanted everything to be clean because dreamweaver will um just uh, spit out really bloated code at the time i hear it's better i don't know i don't either Um, but um but we uh, a buddy of mine was a web developer and as we were growing he was the second guy that Mm. came on board full-time and he helped us really refine our design to dev process and we were heavy into SEO and then we got into email marketing and, and then um, and we grew and we had big name clients, fairly big name. And then when the economy tanked, um, we lost a bunch of clients and then we trimmed it down to just the three of us, the owner, me, and then my web dev buddy. And then the owner left and my mm. buddy left and it was up to me to continue running the day-to-day operations of, of that agency. Hmm. And so I became the vice president and uh, the owner retained ownership, but he moved on and we checked in every so often. And then I, I had left school because he had offered me a creative director position at a small agency. Mm. And in my mind, I was like, this is why I'm going to school. So mm-hmm. I've got the job. I can bail, bail on school. And so I did. And then I decided to go back to school. And so I was, <laughs> I was in school full time running an agency full-time i hired up had a a small team i was writing proposals i was um, signing contracts i was i was hustling i was meeting with clients and then i was managing the work also just making sure everybody did everything the the way that they're supposed to having a lot of meetings and then my wife the girl who uh hated everything about me um (laughs) eventually it took three years she eventually decided to uh, say yes to a cup of coffee with me. You wore her down. Yeah. yeah. And, and I just knew, I was like, I just, if, if I could just get her to, to grab a cup of coffee with me, I think I got this. And sure enough, cup of coffee. And that was it. 
and uh, five months later we were married. Wow. So, <clears throat> and yeah, and we've been married 15 years this year. So there's um, hope for congrats. designers. <laughs> <laughs> Not all designers. Yeah. Uh, but then um, she came to me. We'd been married a couple years now at this point. And she goes, this sucks. I hate this. Mm. Like <clears throat> you're in school full time. You're working full time, running an agency that you don't even own. Mm. And like, what, what am I doing? Um, and she was absolutely right. And that was a hard thing to hear at the time, but it was also really important. And I called my mom and my mom gave me this really incredible piece of, of advice that I have held with me. She said, uh, your name is not on the letterhead of that company, but your wife has your name. And that nailed me because mm. I didn't own that company. It wasn't my mm. company, but I was making it work. But my wife, we, we were together, you know, she took my name. Like we were, we were in this incredible union. And so that reminded me that the job was just the job and the family is just so much more important. Yeah. Uh, so we both quit our jobs. I graduated that year. She got pregnant and then we hit the road. We had a ton of money saved up to buy a house and we were just hmm. like, screw that. Wow. And so we drove up and down the East coast for like six months. It was nice. amazing. Wow. Yeah. That's a cool move. So, um, really cool. I mean, and, and interesting to hear, you know, unlike probably a lot of people today that are self-taught and then kind of start their own thing and, and have small beginnings, you started out with a day job in the print shop and then another day job working for this very small agency, which grew into a larger agency mm-hmm. and you grew your skill set and responsibilities right inside somebody else's agency. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's interesting. And so uh, you took some time off, went and had the time of your life with your wife, which sounds like it was the right move. Mm-hmm. Um, take us to where you started your own thing or um, eventually, you know, kick that off. So I've, I've done it a couple times now. And at that point, so we left town, hit the road. We come back into town. We decided to settle back in Nashville. And what I didn't know was happening was that I, I had hit a giant reset button on my career. Um, I'm not sure why. All my contacts were gone. Hmm. Um, and I couldn't find a job anywhere. Um, I finally found like a, a graphic design position um, at a, a pretty large um retail company uh, called journeys they sell shoes oh yeah um, and i worked in their marketing department and i ended up doing some of the most fun design i've ever had to do hmm. and my print design background really came in handy because i designed full store campaigns mm-hmm. um, from beginning to end and and then we had to i had to work with printers to uh, not only not only get the stuff printed but write up instructions for store managers so they could then implement the, the mm-hmm. branded mm-hmm. posters and and uh, cardboard cutouts and all that stuff. So that was wow. really fun. But um, the at the time, the corporate culture was really toxic. And um, I did not like some of the people I was working with. Some of the people I was working with, I, I still have those friendships. They were incredible. Um, so I was only there for seven months because I was just like, I, I want to get out of here anyway. 
while that was happening, that small agency that I helped build up, mm-hmm. I left. The owner decided to sell it. Oh, and wow. he sold it to a not very nice person, hmm. which totally sucked. And then clients because started Because you worked so hard to, to keep it going and all that. Oh, gosh. I had yeah. no equity. This was a huge lesson for me. Yeah. I had no ownership. I put in a lot of time, a lot of effort, and I helped build this thing, mm-hmm. and I had zero mm-hmm. ownership. Hmm. And when he sold, I saw nothing. So looking um, back, just pausing on that, Michael, looking back, year six, year seven, you're in that. You're feeling a bit restless. Your wife conversations, hey, something's got to change. What would you have done differently? Um, I would have gotten something on paper from the owner mm-hmm. um, because he talked a lot about sharing with me. Mm. Um, and, and ultimately, he just didn't. Okay. Um, and, and I know now that like a lot of people will say that to you. A lot of people will dangle a carrot. Um and either get something in, in writing or just get out of it. I agree, Mike. We, Eric and I were just talking. I have a um, couple of proposals out in one, two verbal acknowledgments, one on the proposal. Yes, get me the contract. Uh, here's the contract. No signing. Next day, I'm backing out for a, just an odd reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to take it personally, but it's like, I, you know, inside, I, I, you know, I had a ceiling. I didn't let myself get too elated, but I was like, yes, okay. Got the contract. Verbal just doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Unfortunately. Nothing. Yep. Okay. So, yep. okay. Sorry. So I took us off to the side thing. So maybe would have got, you know, gotten some shareholding into that company or something, but speeding up. So you're back in, uh, you're, and let's truth be told, you were working on sketcher campaigns. Was there Skechers involved? Because no, I remember no walking through the mall, seeing Journeys, and there was a Skecher ad. Now Skechers is cool, so it's cool. It's cool. Okay, so you're doing <laughs> so six, seven, eight months, whatever, in there, toxic culture, uh, and then all of a sudden you start getting some calls from some past clients. Yeah, so that agency sold mm-hmm. to a guy that wasn't great. Yeah, and he just didn't share the values that we all shared together, okay. and okay. that our clients shared. And so when he started to run the agency, a lot of clients started to bail. Well, mm. they had my cell phone number because mm. I worked closely with all those clients. Mm. And they started calling me and texting me. And mm. I mean, my phone was blown up. And then the staff quit. <laughs> so oh, wow. like the project manager and the web developer, and I'd been there and I'd, I'd helped hire them Yeah. before I left. But then they reached out to me and they wow. said, we hate it here. We're going to bail would you be interested in doing something? Like, have you ever thought about doing mm. your own thing? Mm. And uh, I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't enjoying my time at Journeys. And so I just said, okay, if you guys can find a, one big project, mm. I'll, I'll quit. And sure enough, they found one. It was for $12,000, which at the time, this is uh-huh. 2014, I think. Yeah. At the time, it felt like a really big deal. Absolutely. Um, and so I quit my job and my wife just said, look, you're not making enough to pay the bills anyway. So mm. <laughs> let's, let's do something crazy, which that's going to be a, a theme. I think throughout this conversation that my wife and I take big risks um, nice. and they don't always pan out like this one. And so uh, she just said, let's do it. And so I called them up and I said, all right, guys, I'm into this if you are. Wow. And so, so there, there was some, I mean, you worked hard, you developed a business and it seemed like all was a loss cause he sold it and you didn't share in any of that, but it did kind of come back around in a way. It mm. sounds like it did. Yeah. And that, that was 
nice. That was a nice part of it. We were in business for a couple of years and made some just huge mistakes, like unbelievably mm. big mistakes uh, that I think really cost us longevity. Um, and so, you know, just a couple of years in, like here, here's a great example. Um, it's hard to start when you don't have an audience. So an mm -hmm. easy way to build an audience, mm -hmm. this is some free advice. Easy way to build an audience is to just reach out to friends and family. You launch your website, you've started your company, no one cares. So you reach out to the people that care. Um, and so we did, we all wrote emails to our friends and family. And, um, and we actually, I ended up sending like a hundred emails, I think. Mm. And we ended up getting a huge response. Wow. Um, and in my email, I was directing people to use my contact form on the website and we weren't getting any form. You didn't, fields. You didn't link the uh -oh. form. Oh yeah, no. You didn't Eric, link the form, man. Eric knows. Nate knows. Well, no, I don't know from personal experience, but I know what's going wrong here. <laughs> I know that much. Radio silent. I mean, we <laughs> oh, were, no. I was having phone calls. I was having emails back oh, and no. forth. And so that was great. And we were getting work. We were winning proposals, getting a chance to write proposals. But it's just like, nobody's like responding. No one's using that contact form. And so two months in, I go to the web dev and I go, hey, man, will you check that form for me? And he said, I checked it. I said, I know you did, but will you go in there? And sure enough, it had been, people were using it. It had been collecting. Oh, we just you, were never alerted. You had the content. The problem is that some of those projects were big and awesome. Like I'm kicking myself yeah. to this day <laughs> and we missed out on it because it was oh, no. two months. Did you reach back out to those people immediately? The, the appropriate ones. Yeah. Some yeah, of yeah. them we just had to say, this is done. Wow. And, and every time they're like, we're so sorry we had to move on. Yeah, so that man. was like, Awful. always check your forms for the love of God. <laughs> I've totally been there. Test oh my it, gosh. test it, test it. Yeah. That's the worst feeling like, oh, how much business did we just miss out on in the last however long? Yeah. Yeah. And relationships. And yeah. Well, um, to take it back just a little bit, you know, I'm, and I'm curious about, say, once you were on your own, you know, started the new agency, maybe just walk us through what did that first deal actually look like? You know, what, what did the client want? What did you deliver? Uh, what kind of price range were you in? Let's do a little deep dive into either the deal or if you don't remember exactly, it could be a, a deal that you expect it might have been. Well, um, so I've, I've learned a lot from all my years. And, and so I'm going to preface this by saying um, we didn't charge enough. So it was $12,000, which seemed like a lot, but not at all for branding and uh, for web. And it was a new company. It was a hospitalist company. And the CEO, um, he built companies and then sold them. So he was a millionaire already. Mm -hmm. um, and he found a gap in the market, built up this company, or was starting to build it up. Um, and so we did the branding and, and web for it. Um, and then he sold it and made $100 million. Wow. Um, and, and so looking back, 12K for what? That's exciting we help them accomplish just wasn't enough, right? Like what's yeah. the value of a brand at that point? Um, but we did, you know, logo and all the stuff, um, you know, print collateral, you know, whole branding package. Uh, and, and then we and did. 
what was the yeah. team like at that point? So 12K, I mean, is that getting you through the next month or is that, uh, you know, just kind of the, the start to make this thing happen? Yeah, so the, the 12K was just the start and it and it essentially covered the, the month, I guess, the first month of, of us doing business. Um, and then all of these other clients that were calling from that, mm-hmm. you know, from that failed agency. Uh, well, it's not, it's still around. They're actually doing really well, which is good for them. But um, these clients uh, were reaching out. And so we filled in the gaps with these small projects. Mm-hmm. You know, um, one of the things that we did to help vary our income sources was to do hosting and maintenance plans. And nice. so um, and we had a hosting account and we uh, paid for that. But then all these clients were moving off of that previous agency and we just got them into hosting. Mm-hmm. Which cool. you know, you guys probably know, doesn't pay a lot. Um, but if you can get a hundred dollar maintenance plan at the time with thirty dollar hosting uh, for ten clients, like that's pretty, pretty decent residual income. Mm-hmm. Assuming you don't have to do a lot of work, and mm-hmm. so that ended up maintaining us through some really dry times. Um, nice. Yeah. Very cool. Okay, well, that's great. I mean, I think we got a good picture of kind of where you came from. Um, you know, what those first beginnings looked like. Um, and you even you talked a little bit about kind of the family dynamic and how that was impacted. Um, but take us more to um, say, I guess we could go to kind of the end of that agency or to where we're at now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's, let's talk about um, where did the agency go from there? I know, just from previous conversations, I think you sold or are still involved. I'm not sure exactly, but how did it, what, what's kind of the final outcome of the work that you did there? So um, at the time, uh, creative agencies, there weren't a lot of creative agencies in Nashville. It wasn't very competitive. So we ended up getting a lot of um, just traction based on our SEO. And so we got one or two form fills, like legitimate form fills a week. Um, nice. But it was all too small to sustain a company of three people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had contractors that would help with, with overflow and stuff. And, and I knew nothing about money management at the time when it came to, to agencies and stuff. Um, and what felt like, it, it felt like we were doing really well, but we still weren't quite covering the bills. And, and I wasn't sure why. I know now why. We I mean, a whole bunch of reasons why. Mostly we weren't charging enough. We didn't know. We didn't understand the value of the work that we were providing. Um, and so I just I was the primary breadwinner in, in my family, and I just said to my business partner, um, I can't do this anymore. You know, we're mm. we're starting to rely more and more on business cards um, because the work. Just, uh, I'm sorry, uh, credit cards because the work just wasn't coming in mm-hmm. um, the way that we thought. I now know that um, if you're successful for three to five years um, right out of the gate, that's just dumb luck if you're not doing any branding and marketing. Like you're just lucky. And it's a matter of time before you really get into some trouble and then things mm-hmm. dry up. And I've had conversations with other agency owners where they have said the same thing. It's like first three years were great, but now things are really struggling. It's like, well, it's mm-hmm. because you were going off of the momentum you had and, and maybe you created some buzz like building an audience. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you had some social media buzz, but if you don't have a, a plan 
if you don't if you don't engage in brand strategy for yourself and marketing strategy for yourself you're gonna you're gonna eventually fall flat it's just it's just luck Hmm. Um, and i i really believe that so that's what happened with us it happened really quickly though and so i left and became a creative director at a pretty big agency in nashville um and i i sort of sold my portion to my business partner uh and she and our web developer left and she kept it running for a few years and and then eventually uh, wrapped it up so wow made the transition um, yeah, I, th- I don't think that is a rare story at all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, starting out on your own and and having a good, having a good go at it and having clients coming in. But you're right; it is tough, especially with a multi person team, um, to cover the overhead and still make a profit is is not easy. Um, and you know, I've I've been in that situation where do I want to work on my own? Do I want to work on a team? And, you know, for us, we've brought on employees and that's the only way I want to work now, but it, it definitely cuts into your profits and makes it a lot less uh, sustainable. Um, and it can be a struggle for sure. Um, I, I once went to a design conference in Nashville and uh, met a, a designer there and, um, who is just really well-known in Nashville. Awesome guy, incredible designer. Um, and we got to talking and I was just like really down. I was in the, in the thick of uh, dealing with lawsuits and um, not being able to pay the bills, which by the way, you know, as, as someone who owns a business, who's on the hook for things and you get into contracts, <clears throat> the lawsuits are going to crop up. And I've, I have um, successfully defended uh, being sued. I have successfully sued. Um, uh-huh. and, uh, that's, I just don't like that stuff. What are, <laughs> I don't uh, like that what stuff. are some things to watch for? Um, would you say within contracts, are there statements or clauses that you didn't know about that? You're like, that goes in every contract now. I would say that contracts ultimately don't matter. Mm. You can, you can have them and they may provide some level of protection, but ultimately, uh, if somebody doesn't, want to adhere to the terms of the agreement they're not going to um, and there's not a lot you can do you can lawyer up uh, but that's really expensive mm-hmm. so hmm. you know i think those protections are nice um, but uh, you know ultimately uh, they're just not going to do a whole lot and i have experienced that firsthand multiple times um, i would also say uh, having a lawyer is a good idea um, that you know that you're friends with um, so especially a contractor, a small business lawyer would be nice. Hmm. Um, I would, I would, yeah, I would, I would recommend creating those relationships hmm. for sure. Oh, nice. oh, sorry. I, I, I totally forgot to finish the story. Met this guy and, uh, I, I was just really down and, um, I thought the conference would help and it did a little bit. But I was talking to this guy and he, and he was, he'd been doing freelance for a couple of years and he was just like, and he heard that I went out and started my own thing. And he's like, isn't this amazing? Isn't this just wonderful? I wouldn't change it for the world. And I just said, no, this is not wonderful. This absolutely sucks. And I hate this. And so I was really frustrated by that and frustrated by his response because it isn't always awesome. Sometimes it really blows. Mm-hmm. Right. And you just have to stick with it. Agreed. 
Yeah, that's that's good. I mean, on the uh, Grow Your Creative Agency podcast, we probably need to also have an honest look at it and and acknowledge it's not all up and to the right. And uh, it's stressful. And yeah, there's times where you can't keep up. Um, Is that a know. statement up and to the right? What yeah. is that? It's like know, a, oh, like, like a, a stock trend, growth. trending never... graph line. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it could be a show takeaway. Wow. Yeah. Seriously. Um, but no, really appreciate you sharing that. And um, yeah, definitely agree and have been there for sure. Um, well, yeah. So you mentioned um, you, you started at a uh, bigger agency, worked as a creative director there. Earlier, I think you said you've kind of been through the the agency process a couple times. Was there, um, I, was there a time after that where you were involved on your own again or? Yep. Yep. I, I jumped into freelance again. Um, and I'm just such a sucker for taking risks and <laughs> um, I took a big risk. And again, um, I also, I have now, <laughs> I, I don't have very much patience for uh, toxic work environments. Mm-hmm. And I have unfortunately been in a lot of them. I had a boss who was an alcoholic. I had a bo- and it showed I had a boss that was abusive. He um, he once threw a chair mm. uh, um, into the wall of my office, and the chair was halfway into the drywall because he mm. threw it so hard. Oh my gosh! Um, that same boss um, just uh, he we had a shared computer because in a fit of rage he broke his mm. and um and i kept finding porn on my computer that oh, no. that was uh. i assume was his um so i've 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 worked in some really gross yeah environments and be, but because of that i have uh really um leaned into organizational health mm-hmm. uh, by way of brand strategy mm-hmm. nice. and i fully believe in fit being important and I fully believe in core values. It's not buzzy. It's can not you, a 90s uh, buzzy thing anymore. Can you expand on fit? Yeah. Um, if you're just not a good fit, don't force it. Mm. And and if if you know someone isn't a good fit, I don't care if they're the best designer in the world. It's not worth it. You can, mm-hmm. you can learn to be a good designer. You can't necessarily learn to be a good fit. If you're, if your values don't align, just don't, yeah. don't force it. Don't try it. I like that. Um, so, um, leaning into that, um, also opened up a whole new skill set for me to learn and a whole new, um, market to tap into because that brand strategy and that organizational health stuff, Eric, you asked me a question. I don't know if I'm answering it. I don't remember what the question was. Uh, kind of coming back to, you know, you were working at this larger agency and then did you, come back to doing your own work again. It sounds like you did go off. Yeah. Uh, thank you. So, you know, getting back into freelance and then I, I had big opportunities. I did some work for Coca-Cola. They flew me to uh, Greece to meet with their global marketing teams. Hmm. Um, and it was with a couple guys. We did very real brand strategy. We were leading this week long workshop with um, upper level, level Coca-Cola executives and it was my role to help with the strategy, but also to design in real time as these executives were coming up with ideas. Wow. And so I came up by the end of this workshop, I had about 70 deliverables 
and at the very end, and I and and I came up with my own things. I, I built and prototyped an app, and I shared it that with them, and that was a really big moment for me. Um, you know, working with these Coca Cola people, uh, but I also saw that same toxic environment. You know, whenever oh, yeah. you get to a huge corporate entity, when you get that big, um, you have power grabs and you have weird interactions that make you feel gross and so um, i just said i'm not ever going to work for big corporations and Mm. i have really stuck to that well so tell us a little bit about how you got there you know that was a a quick little launch between creative director at a um Mm -hmm. a bigger agency and then going freelance um you know we know that jobs don't just fall in your lap so or maybe they did in your case um, tell us how that happened. You yeah. know, how did that new work come in? Yeah. Um, you had a form, obviously, that was connected. <laughs> it was all through the contact form. Uh, I um, was a uh, mentor for a um, incubator and um, what were they? Uh, incubator and um, I can't remember what it was called. Um, whatever. Uh, it was called Jumpstart Foundry, and they would help um, healthcare startups kind of launch, right? Um, and so I became a. This was 2015 or 2016 or something like that. I don't remember. It was a long time ago. I was a mentor, um, and I sort of gave some advice for people trying to launch their their mm-hmm. businesses. Mm-hmm. And uh, and in that process, I met um, a guy named Lindsey Jameson. Unbelievable brand strategist. This dude has done strategy for everything. Sprite, Coca-Cola, of course, um, Steinway pianos. He worked on Volkswagen. He worked on Kleenex. He worked on um, Attack of the Clone Wars or whatever, that Star Wars movie. Hey, it's not um, whatever. My boy and I watched those. We There's a new, sorry, but there's a new Bad Batch. I don't know if you guys are watching no. Star Wars. It's like the no. new uh, season two just came out last night. We would watch the first two episodes. So I'm into Clone Wars. <laughs> okay. In fact, okay, Jar Jar awesome. Binks is, is Ezra's favorite, my four-year-old. It's his favorite oh, wow. Star Wars guy. So. He'll be happy to hear that. Yeah, I know yeah. Jar Jar so, Binks had a downtime after all the mockery from He the did. Okay. Yeah. So, but Mike, I got to, okay. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so that guy, I met him. Wow. He was also also a drummer, he, but he, way more successful. He played for Ben Folds for a long time. He played mm. for Michael W. Smith. Wow! Like, so he and and just a really really kind person. And so mm-hmm. he was sort of like, I want to be that guy mm. when I'm older. Like mm-hmm. he's six, mm-hmm. he was more successful he was in all of the things that I was interested. Yeah, in. yeah. <laughs> and uh, like and so I just. I just pursued him mm-hmm. like a weirdo. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and eventually he was just like, okay, like, let's hang out. He invited me to his 50th birthday party years Come ago. Come on. Nice. And Eric, and, you're almost there, right? Nope. I mean, <laughs> uh, Nate, the next time you and I hang out, we'll be at yeah. Eric's 50th birthday party. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I'm not even 40 yet. Well, dude. this summer. So, so that guy, <laughs> this summer, really looking forward to it. I should buy your gift now. Mm-hmm. Uh, that guy uh, sort of mentored me in brand mm. strategy. How like cool. he, I didn't even know. I, I, I could feel that something was missing in, in what I offered clients. Hmm. And it wasn't until I met him. And then I, I met him uh, 
I relentlessly pursued him until he gave in theme of my life. And then I helped start something called the Nashville Independent Business Alliance because Nashville was changing. All these indie businesses were, were drawing a lot of cool tourism and the city was capitalizing on these indie businesses and attracting big corporations, which put the indie businesses out of business. Hmm. And that was sickening and horrible. And so we formed an alliance together um, and we were about 150 businesses strong by the time we, we stopped. Um, but I knew that I needed help. So I actually said, hey, man, I know you do brand strategy. I don't really know what that is, but I think our organization needs it. And he came in and helped figure out messaging. He helped um, figure out how to really engage with our audience, speak their language, and get them excited about what we were doing. And these were all things I didn't know how to do. I do now, sort of. Still not as good. He's just the best. Um, and so through that process, I learned so, so much. I learned what value propositions are. You know, um, I learned what a USP was. Really basic stuff now that I do for all my clients. Uh, but it was all new to me at the time. Um, and then he invited me to, to work on Coca-Cola with him. Which mm. he's been working on Coca-Cola mm. for years and years. Um, and so that was a really cool move. Um, and then from there, you know, doing freelance and stuff, then, uh, I decided to start another agency at the beginning of the pandemic. Mm, a great time. <laughs> Actually, it probably maybe was what I hear Micah as a theme throughout the story that in the way that you're sharing it is relationships really have been your saving grace because you did those you know, six, seven years at that first deal. And those relationships were, were what got you through a season. Then you meet this person who's in the industry who you look up to and foster that relationship. And that gets you through the next season. But I, I hear, and I, I don't know about you, Eric, but I, I think I can, I think we would both shake our heads and nod our heads to say, we've had similar experiences. It's the people that we get uh, in really good relationships with that end up you know, kind of fueling everything that we do. So you can market as much as you want, but. Yeah, I think for me, um, I definitely dealt with a lot of imposter syndrome early on. And for that reason, didn't want to really open up to others about what I was doing or even mm. get mentored or, or join forces with anybody because I thought it would expose, mm. you know, this kid doesn't really know what he's doing. Um, but even I think really recently, actually, for the first time, I'm kind of recognizing the power of those relationships. You know, one of them even being just working with you, Nate, and putting this podcast together. Um, and then also kind of simultaneously with my business, we're now bringing in other directors. We're mm -hmm. forming a roster mm -hmm. and it's not all just the Eric show anymore. Mm -hmm. And it, it time will tell, but it seems like this will kind of be a catalyst for us. And so, mm -hmm. um, probably a lesson I should have learned a long time ago. It's all good. Nate, I, yeah. I really appreciate you bringing that up. Um, I, I've, you know, since you guys asked me to be on this podcast, I've been thinking through my story and you know, how I got here. And, and it's so funny because I, I didn't realize it until this until this week essentially mm -hmm. that is the theme of my career Nate mm. 
those relationships. Mm-hmm. When I was um, after Coca Cola, I was still doing freelance work, and I um, I did some work for CMT. Country and, music is that what that is? Country music television. Television. Oh, cool. And uh, MTV and VH1. Mm. And uh, CMT in Nashville uh, is kind of a big deal. A lot of the designers that moved on to create their own agencies got their start at cmt cmt was like this filtering mechanism that like if you got in there it meant you were a pretty decent designer Mm -hmm. um and i met some amazingly talented people like the most unbelievably talented people ever it was awesome Mm. and one of the people i met um her name's rosemary radford and she was a project manager or a, a producer at cmt and um, she essentially managed me, but she did an incredible job managing timelines, expectations, and creative without making me feel like she was my boss. Mm. Um, she just, she was wonderful. Mm. And so when I decided to start my agency, I had a list of names of people that I had worked with that I loved working with. And she was you know, one of the people at the top of my list. And so I called her up. And I just said, Hey, I don't know if you want to leave CMT <laughs> yeah. uh, and join me, but I could really use your help because I think you're amazing. And she mm. came on board, cool, which was awesome. And so my, my biggest piece of advice here is, is that Nate, is that relationship thread. Mm. When you, when you work with people that you really click with, mm-hmm. just don't forget about them. Yeah. And when you're ready to do your thing, give them a call and just see if they're willing to do it with you because it really, really sucks to do this all on your own. And I, I know that I'm not great at time management. I've gotten way better, but I'm, I'm not great at project management. And I knew that she sort of fit in her strengths fit into my weaknesses really, really well. Mm, And so when she came on board, I was able to take on a lot more clients actually. And Michael, what, what was at this time you doing your own thing? It's slowly building this gal um when, what year was that is that where is that what you're still doing now company so yeah that was 2018 okay i think so just four or five like, years ago um right was it 2018 when did the pandemic hit like 2020 was when we pandemic hit yeah it was 2019 like, okay i think it's 2019 okay and then the pandemic hit and that's when I was just like, well, I'm actually really glad I'm doing this because I would have probably lost my job. I see. Um, I, I was just friends with a lot of people and they, they were scared that they were going to lose their jobs because mm-hmm. uh, marketing yeah, and creative was that. starting to yep. get real weird. It was changing at least. It was, ch- yep, exactly. Ended up helping me out a little bit mm. because people felt like they needed to uh, revamp their web mm. and, um, and, Usually in those conversations, when someone's like, I need a new website, I need yeah. a new whatever, um, I dig a little bit. And I oftentimes find that they don't have any strategy in forming those decisions. Hmm. And so then I, I have a, a, a brand strategy workshop that I've developed over the years um, based on all of these incredible books that I've read from all these amazing people. Um, and I will lead clients through the workshop and then that'll inform yep the decisions we make, you know, with web and with marketing. And so once you get that baseline branding down, mm-hmm. you can move more freely and, and, and engage in these marketing tactics without being interrupted to question whether or not they're right. 
right? Or yeah, or whether sense. or not they align with your goals. So, was there a you mentioned book in there? Is has there been uh, if you could have a couple books on your shelf? Um, I know that's broad. I guess you could do about building your business. Let's stick let's stick in there rather than like design or something specific. But kind of building your business. What would you suggest? Is there an author that you like or a podcast or a blog? A couple authors that I like. Uh, Traction is a pretty good book. That's a pretty good, okay. um, the EOS entrepreneurial okay. operating system. Um, that's pretty decent. But I've read Traction about two or three times. Mm-hmm. Um, and then start with why. You know, mm-hmm. everyone loves Simon Sinek. Yep. Um, I think he's he's right about purpose um, in, in about his sort of concentric golden circles. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was brilliant. Uh, good to great. Jim Collins, that's a hard book to get through, but that's also a really good book. Yeah, um, good stuff. And then uh, um, Essentialism is a good book. Um, oh, uh, Built to Sell. That book is fantastic. Hmm. Um, it's about a creative agency. And it's essentially, it's a, a parable, I guess, but it's essentially saying like, here's a story about a guy who has a creative okay. agency and wants to exit. He doesn't know how. And so he took a different approach and, and sort of rebuilt the agency to eventually sell it. I stayed up when I heard about that book, I downloaded it. Um, uh, yeah, I downloaded it onto my Kindle and I read it all night. I was up and I just never put it down. It blew my mind. That's a big one. The E-Myth is written in the nineties, still holds up. E-Myth. Classic. That book that book we'll, is, uh, is well yeah we'll we'll link all those uh in the uh in the show notes thanks i got for... one more i got yeah, one oh, more my gosh sorry this one this one i've read four times it's called the advantage by patrick Lencioni. that guy also has a podcast that book is is so well done and it touches on organizational health in a very real way mm. so my workshop is essentially all of these things okay sort of mushed in mushed into it so and if uh if one of the listeners or if if any of the listeners were interested in taking their company through this type of brand workshop that you offer, how would they get in contact with you, Micah? Man. Um, yeah, they can just shoot me an email, shoot me a text. I don't care. Give me a call, uh, anything like that. Um, but my agency got acquired by a larger agency. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. Tell us, that. tell us about that. Does this bring us up to today? This brings us up today. Okay. Up to today. So, um, you know, Rosemary, this incredible senior producer came on board. Um, we started to do some, some pretty big work for some pretty big people. And, uh, it was scary. And, um, I was working my ass off all the time, Hmm. but it was, it was done with intention. It was handled better. Um, my wife wasn't complaining as much, mm. not that she complains. I, let me, let me rephrase that. I was sure. treating my wife better. Okay. Nice. You were a uh, better human. I was a better. Okay. Human, exactly. Okay. And, um, I love doing portfolio reviews at mm-hmm. local colleges for, for, um, designers. That's a really great way for you to, um, find affordable talent. We do portfolio mm. reviews. I've had a ton of interns throughout my my career, um, nice. and I always pay them. Always pay them, even if it's a little bit. Um, mm. And so I did a portfolio review, and um, stumbled across this this woman who was just about to graduate. 
Um, and she was just so good. Like her instincts when it came to UX. Yeah. She was 24 years old, 23, 24 at the time. That's like half of Eric's age. But she, <laughs> she, but she was just like, it, she seemed experienced even though she wasn't. And how do so you do I, a portfolio review, Micah? Oh man, it, it's you great. Call, so like the art department or something? Yeah, totally. Uh, hit up the, hmm, never the chair of, that, of the department what, of whatever that. school and just say, hmm. hey, because they're always looking for help. Um, and just say, hey, I'd, you know, I'm looking for interns or say, I'd love to do a portfolio review. I'd love to be a, a part of a panel. And wow. uh, I've never had anyone say, no, that's not for us. But realistically, so, you're looking to snake. You're looking to get some people out of this, the talented that's ones. Exactly that's genius. That's I love that. Okay. Nice. Okay. Sorry. I just, I had to, I think that's a gold, gold mine uh, concept. Okay. So you find yeah, this gal. Um, yep. Find her. Um, her name is Jessie Carada. She's just fantastic. And okay. she interned with me and, and okay. quickly became part of the team. So we were three people, me and Rosemary and Jessie. Mm. And, um, and we, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Google cluster, but Google, we did some cool UI UX work for them. Cool. Um, yeah. And uh, we, we built this app that people use when they go into the store. They have a, a storefront in downtown Nashville. Mm. And the app allows you to order custom Googles. And the interface was awesome mm. uh, because um, we also had an illustrator that we brought on board to do these custom illustrations. Mm. And it just ended up being this beautiful thing. Cool. And we, we, worked, we, we wanted to impress Google. We also wanted to impress the agency that brought it to us, Five Stone Studios, uh-huh. a production agency in, in Nashville. And we just worked our asses off. And it, and it got a lot of press, actually, which was cool. Nice. Um, and, and the three of us, you know, we nailed that project. And then it just gave us the confidence to take on bigger clients. And, mm. and well, how did... How did you get that one in the first place? I think that's a question probably a lot of our listeners have is they may have, have done the job for uh, the family friend or, you know, p- word of mouth, people mm-hmm. around town that may hear about them, but mm-hmm. a bigger brand like that, how does that come around? Just relationships, you know, um, I had done some, some work for, for this company, Five Stone Studios in the past, actually did some work for them like 10 years ago. Um, and just being in Nashville for 20 years hmm. um, and, and working a lot and, and building those relationships, I think, is what did it. Hmm. Just being present. You know, something I'm not very good at, um, but I think is really important, is simply making noise. Hmm. You know, posting to LinkedIn, posting on socials, um, shooting out emails, making phone calls, um, uh, meeting people, and just asking for what you want. Nice. You know, but it sounds like, so you said that was kind of another catalyst moment for you in your career where that job kind of got you on the radar for some bigger work from there. Yep. Um, some bigger work. We did uh, some major um, UX, UI stuff for, um, I think I'm still under NDA, but uh, for one of the top four financial consultancies mm-hmm. in the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so we ended up doing a lot of different projects for, for them, um, huge budgets. Just like if you can get in with with a company that size, um, then the then it's going to change the way that you write proposals. 
Um, it's going to change the way that you uh, perceive your value. And so that was, that was really helpful. And so um, we were just getting slammed with work. And I, you know, when, when you have an agency, you want to make sure your people are paid first. And so I did that obviously. And, but it was still hard because like you would go three months without a paycheck and then you sign a, a, a contract and you get 30 K you get a, a $30,000 check. Mm-hmm. Well, you've already spent that money, right? You know, because you went three months without any money. And so you have to, you know, pay off all the debt that you, you uh, incurred. Um, and then you have to figure out how to live off of that because you're not quite sure when the next whale is going to come. And you have these little projects that maintain you and mm-hmm. they help pay the bills. They pay mm-hmm. for your space. They pay for your, your software, whatever they pay for your overhead. Um, but you know, by the time the owner gets paid, everything else has been paid. And so that was after doing that for years and years, we were just getting sick of it. And then, uh, one of our clients, uh, there's an agency in Nashville called Love and Science. Okay. And uh, they've been around for about 10 years. And, okay. Um, I knew the CEO, um, a woman named Amy Romero. And we'd worked on and off together for about 20 years. Like I'd known her for a long time. She actually played music at our wedding. Uh, and um, and she, we were sharing an office space. Mm-hmm. We shared a lot of clients. And one day... She, I'd been out of the office for like a few weeks. Uh, I was just slammed. And she was like, Hey, why don't you come and grab a drink with me? And I was like, All right. Um, and so we're talking, and, and she was just asking how I was doing. I was like, It's fine. You know, I was super busy. And then she's just like, Okay, I, I'm going to ask you this question. I don't want it to be weird, but we're wanting to make a big play. We've been around for 10 years. We want to, grow quickly and Mm -hmm. take on some, some big, some big dogs. And she said, but to do that, I need creative. Would you be willing to join me? And I'll, and I'll take care of everybody. I'll take care of Rosemary. I'll take care of Jesse. Mm -hmm. Um, Can we sort of acquire you? And I said, absolutely not. not, Doesn't interest me at all. I go home and I tell my wife this story and, and she's looking away and I'm just telling her all this stuff. And I'm like, will you look at me, please? Like, I'm telling you this stuff. And she's like, I'm not looking at you because I'm smiling so much. I don't want to make you feel weird. And she was just like, you do what you want to do. But if she's willing to take over the company and allow you to still have autonomy, but then cut you regular paychecks, Mm -hmm. that's awfully appealing. Yeah. And I was just like, ah, oh, crap. <laughs> All right. So I, I think about it and she's just amazing. Cause she's always said, you know, as long as we can pay the bills, you can follow whatever dreams you have. And, Is that what you're uh, doing now, Micah? You still. A, yeah. That's what I'm doing now. So they, so I, I agreed to it. I said, all right, let's do this. And, and so me and Rosary and Jesse are working for, for love and science. And mm. um, I'm a VP of, of uh, strategy or a uh, brand and creative now. And mm-hmm. it's weird to have a boss, except that she knew my working style because we worked together so much. And she yep. also knew that I've been an agency owner mm-hmm. and I've struggled working at places that don't understand that entrepreneurial mm. mindset Yeah, and it doesn't go well. She embraces that. Nice. 
So I've been, whenever I have people approach me, I just say, well, let's, let's run it through love and science, and, but I'll still manage the project. You'll, I'll still be the person you're talking to. That's great, cool. Micah. And what, what would you say as far as people either that like, um, it was Rosemary and Jesse, Jesse. So Rosemary, Jesse, uh, the other gal who love and science got what, what is it in a person's personality? What traits do you feel like, cause you were talking about fit earlier and I would imagine that would carry yeah. over into clients too, or Oh gosh. Is, right. So what maybe for, for listeners who are in a position of either hiring their first few, um, at a point where they get to choose their clients, what are kind of the character traits that you would identify? Maybe just top two character traits that when you meet someone and they exude these character traits, you're like, okay, this could be, this could be a good thing. Cause relationships are obviously very much a part of your story. Well, I, I think you, you nailed it when you talked about clients being a fit. Um, if you are not careful, your client's culture will encroach on yours and start to change your culture. And you don't want that. Mm-hmm. And they don't want that. Your clients may try to do it actively, but actually they don't want that. And so you have to push back a little bit. Got one in mind. Yep. So you have to be really protective of your values. And I would say more than anything, identify your values, identify what's important to you and, and write them with personality. Don't say integrity, you know, don't say be honest, be respectful, but come on, that's baseline. That's just being a human being. Your values need to um, help to solidify your personality. And if they are, if they're polarizing, that's mm-hmm. great because that means you're attracting the right people and, and pushing away the wrong people. Uh-huh. You want your values to be potentially provocative um, so that you can attract those people. And then when they come to you, because like they see your posts out there, they see your job postings in the way that it's written. They're like, I really resonate with, with this job posting. I'm going to reach out. Okay. Um, those are the people that you, that you want. So make sure you identify your values, document them, codify them, run your business by them. I cannot stress this enough. And then when you have to hire, when you have to fire, I've done both and that sucks. You have those values to, to use. You use those values, values to hire people. They'll inform your fit. You use those values to fire people. Um, you can say, you can use them to, to run performance reviews. You can say, look, dude, you're not upholding, you know, whatever value this is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I need you to do better. And if they don't, then you can say, all right, I, I gave you a warning and I'm going to have to let you go because you're not, you're not doing this. And chances are they'll want to leave anyway hmm. uh, if it gets to that point. So I'd say those, those values are important. Cool. Really well, good stuff. I've got one, and I think Eric has a good one to to maybe wrap us up on. But before we get to that, um, what what advice would you give to someone who's maybe starting out? They're early in their career. It's uh, it's you at those beginning six years. What would you? What would you actually maybe even before that? Maybe someone just in school. Maybe someone doing their own uh, graphic design posters or their own film. You know, small projects. What would you say? I think the relationship piece is, is huge. You know, you're going to interact with a lot of people. Hopefully just keep, just remember the people that you love working with. If nothing else, if you can't work with them, you at least know that they were good and important to you 
Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, one of the things that you can do to help sort of identify what your values are is to look back at the people that, um, that you've worked with that have done a really, really incredible job or have done things that you really loved. And if you could maybe clone that person a hundred times, maybe your business will be successful. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I would, I would say like, well, what are the characteristics of that person that made me feel excited to work with them? Mm-hmm. Even if you can't work with them, maybe you list those characteristics and then maybe you can find someone that matches those characteristics. That's good. I like that. This is all planning. And, and I've talked to people that say, forget strategy, just do the thing. I think there's value in that too. I think there's a time and a place for that too. But if you can plan and if you can be intentional about surrounding yourself with the people that fit, having goals, mm-hmm. having dreams, working to achieve those things, I think things will be a little bit easier, hopefully. That's great. Thanks, Micah. Nice. Really good perspective. And yeah, a good reminder. I think uh, part of this podcast has been so far is, is uh, you know, how do we grow? How do we make more money? But um, that's certainly not everything, as we all know. And uh, we stand our angle. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's uh, that who are you working with, the type of work that you're doing, the culture fit, really important pieces to be mindful of. So appreciate you sharing yeah. that with us, Micah. Yeah. Um, so one more, uh, little segment we, we wanted to, actually, we didn't do it our first episode, but we're, we're going to kick it off today. Um, Nate's going to give us his best Batman voice, uh, for, oh, and this is for this my one. thing. I'm, I mean, no one's in the studio except for you and me and I'm, I'm, embla- I'm embarrassed. You're embarrassed already. You haven't done just, it yet. Okay. I sing, I do sing with the little baby Gibson or something, guitar to the kids at dinner. They love oh. that. See, you can do it. Yeah, but... Okay, I'll give it a try. He's here. Who? The Batman. Clients from hell. We'll have a little... We'll do our little voiceover thing. (laughs) That was really good. Yeah. Yeah. Clients from hell is uh, where we're going. That's right. If you couldn't decipher that. Um, So, quick story. You know, anybody come to mind or terrible experience... Um, I've, I've got a handful. Uh, oh my gosh. one is, um, I, I think, I think generally speaking, the clients that work to take advantage of you, those are the ones you just cut out because you're not going to make any money off of those guys. And I've got one in particular, this guy starting this thing and, uh, he was really arrogant and, um, and he asked everyone to do work, uh, for cheap. But, you know, he was good at selling his vision. He had proof of concept. And um, and so we're like, all right. I ended up uh, designing and developing a website for him, uh, I think, for like $3,500. And what was the why, Mike? Micah? Was it like, this could go big, I could get something out of it? Which is not a bad thing. Or what, what, was, what led you to still make a decision that was obviously against your gut? Yeah, yeah. And, and you're right. That's not a bad thing. Um, that can be a good thing. Um, I think the thing with this one is like, it was in the music industry. He had a lot of people that I respected already on board. Okay. Turns out they had to sue him to get paid. And I, like he, uh, it was this big production company. They are amazing. They do incredible work. I love those guys. And then one of my buddies, um, was doing motion graphics who, who, worked at CMT with me. He actually went to Coca or Greece with Coca-Cola with me. Uh, incredible motion designer, like mm-hmm. one of the best I've ever seen. 
and he was working on this project too. And I was just like, I think this guy is legit. Like everybody's kind of feeling good. It was like, like fire, paying, fire fest, huh? <laughs> he just wasn't, yeah, he wasn't paying anybody, you know? And, and I had a small retainer with him, you know, I was making a couple thousand dollars a month, you know, nothing great. And then, uh, and then I, I found that he wasn't paying his big bills, like his $15,000 bills and his $20,000 bills got oh, wow. sued twice. And I didn't know any of this. And then, uh, he stopped paying me and bailed, stopped responding. And then, um, I gave him about six months and he just owed me $2,500. He just owed me that. And then, and then I reached out to people around him that were part of the project. This was like a year or two ago. And they're like, Oh yeah, he just never paid. Oh, or, or like, yeah, we're in a lawsuit right now with him. So it's, it, I get excited when there's a cool idea mm-hmm. when I can see myself click in and do mm-hmm. a, a good job and do cool work. I get mm-hmm. excited. What I learned about that is I don't care if it's cool. Mm-hmm. If, if you don't, if there's just no trust there, like if it sounds too good to be true, it's too good to be true. Also, if people talk about how much money they have, they don't have any money. Mm. This is so funny, man. I have, I am uh, in complete alignment. Eric's laughing because Eric and I are transparent with all of our customers, not in a talk behind back, not at all. It's more of like safe space. We understand each other. You know, I mean, it's, it's essentially that's where this podcast came from is like, we're having these conversations, but mm-hmm. uh, he's, he's laughing at me because I'm in the middle of a, um, something very similar, something similar. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, it's gut stuff. It's like, how do I navigate this? I don't feel quite. Yeah. Okay. I love that. I love what you said about that. That, that is interesting. I, you know, just you saying that though, I remember one of our early conversations about this particular client that you're like, you know, I don't, I'm not having like red flags. I'm just having like a couple yellow flags. <laughs> yellow flags. <laughs> Are these yellow flags, Eric? Am I just, what am I? Yeah. No. Dude, that, yeah, good call. I, I've had some awesome counsel. Um, and I've called, I'm a, a verbal processor anyway, but I've called people I trust and talk through even silly situations. Sure. And that really helps those yes. yellow flags, man. You got to listen to them. But yeah, sometimes it's confusing. Like, do I, so what did it? Oh no. So did paid? these other people get paid? One of them got paid. Okay. Um, and then I don't know what happened with the others. And then um, I, I called my buddy, my yeah. lawyer buddy. And I just said, look, dude, this is happening. Do you want to you help me again yeah. with this one? And he's just like, listen, this is such a small, he's like, you're going to yeah. get 800 bucks. Out of yep. this. And I said, yep. well, I don't care. Cause this guy sucks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the <laughs> problem is that he, the, the client uh, was a lawyer, um, a very okay. successful lawyer. And my lawyer was just like, look, dude, oh, he's wow. just going to draw this out. This is going to be a nightmare for you. It's going to take up too much of your time. Mm-hmm. So finally just drafted. I still think about that. 2,500 bucks. Come on. That's not oh, a yeah. small we're gonna amount have to. We're going to have to revisit this in a year and see if you're, uh, you've processed through it or where you're at with it. Well, I, I retained uh, admin level access to the site I built. Oh. And I was just like, I was like, I could just take this down. Yeah. <laughs> and I went and it, he had already taken it down. I think he went bankrupt. Oh, okay. oh wow. Okay. And if he had done that, it doesn't matter if I sued him. He would have. No, there's yeah. nothing there anyway. Yeah. That's interesting. Protection. I mean, that lawsuit hmm. thing, I actually have not run into yet. The, the closest experience so far was um, I had a client that we had an annual contract with. It was a retainer deal um, for 12 months. Hmm. And about six months through, they said, we're going to need to end our contract. We don't like 
they didn't like something about one of my employees mm. and uh, it was conflict of interest kind of thing, but nothing that mm -hmm. had anything to do with our contract. Mm -hmm. And um, the, I was just like, well, you can't cancel the contract. That's the whole point of it. <laughs> That's it's a the contract. Point of a contract. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And they, they kind of like just said they were going to do it and too bad. And um, my brother went to law school, practiced mm -hmm. law for a very short time and was, was not practicing law at the time. But I said, hey, bro, can you just write these people a letter? And he's like, well, I'm not practicing law. Like I can't <laughs> pretend that I'm an attorney. You're like, but can and, you? Yeah, I was like, can you just write him a letter as Chase Parnell? And he's like, okay, sure. And so he does it, and it's all in this legal format and kind of calls out some stuff in the contract. And after that, they called me back. We're like, hey, we'd love to chat with you. Um, <laughs> oh, we, no. we don't know where a lot of this came from. Like, oh, no. let's go back. We we want to continue our contract, um, and we just want to say we're sorry. Oh, no. So, All you... Eric, that is such a, an important thing here. Even if you don't hire a lawyer, if you can just get a lawyer to agree to have them copy it on emails, mm -hmm. that is going to save you a lot. And that has saved me a lot. Oh, I believe it. Yeah. Yeah. A little, a little legal goes a long way. <laughs> well, thanks, um, Micah. I think we've got a lot. You know, one of the things on the back end here that Eric and I are doing, if, if you ever hear our keyboards clicking, is we're, uh, we're, marking certain clips certain time things um because cool. there's you know there's great content at the end of the day it's really helpful to funnel those things down into some bite size so oh, i awesome. you know i've made quite a few of those and and eric has too and so we just really appreciate you sharing uh everything that you did today with your story um i liked i enjoyed this episode for a different reason than our first one with ryan because uh, it actually, over the last hour, you shared your entire story and it really, you know, it wasn't just, here's my story. And then here's the data. It was, here's my story throughout the whole thing. And the data kind of came. So that was, that was fun to, to hear that. Thank you for giving us your time and your insight. Yeah. Well, thank you guys. This was a blast. Really enjoyed it. Yeah. Really great chatting with you. And, um, you know, always good to have another creative here in town that we can, um, bounce ideas around with. So we'll have to keep it up for sure. Oh, and, uh, yeah. You know, let's keep talking, sharing resources, stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. Definitely.